Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Right Moves Podcast, where we talk about how to develop happy, healthy, resilient children into happy, healthy, resilient adults. I'm your host, Dr. Debbie Ray. Good afternoon. This is Debbie Ray. I'm the director of the Link Project, uh, the Link Center for Healthy Play, and this is the Right Moves Podcast. Today, I want to talk about behavior change. A lot of times when we think about being healthy individuals, we don't really think about the behaviors that have to change in order for us to be something different than what we've been. And so when we think about behavior change, there are several things that I've done over my years to create a change in something that needed to be better for me. Uh, And I'll give an example today of this, but I want you to think about at this point, what is it that you really would like to change? And I'll give you some examples. For years, I drank Dr. Pepper. And I didn't like anything but the actual real sugar Dr. Pepper. No diet Dr. Pepper would work. No half the calories. It just had to be the real thing. And I had been drinking Dr. Pepper since I was in high school. The interesting thing about this particular scenario is that my health had always been good. I didn't have cholesterol issues. I didn't have any kind of heart rate issues or diabetes or any other chronic diseases. Everything was checking out every year just fine. I was a runner and I ate well. I didn't eat hardly any desserts. So really my biggest vice, my only vice was Dr. Pepper. I didn't drink coffee in the mornings. I did drink tea occasionally, but mainly I was drinking four to six cans of Dr. Pepper a day. So when I got older, I went to the doctor to say, you know, I just want to make sure everything's okay. And this was a particular uh, specialty doctor, endocrinologist. And he asked me, are you taking in any sugar, sweets? I said, well, I'm not doing sweets, but I do drink Dr. Pepper. And he said, how much? And I told him, and he said, you know, he was very matter of fact, you've got to get off that Dr. Pepper today. Now, how many of you have ever been told that today is the last day that you're going to have something. You can't get wean off of it. It is the last time you're going to have it. And if you're like me right now, if I told you you couldn't have one other cigarette, if you couldn't have another drop of alcohol, if you couldn't exercise ever again, um, if you couldn't have your favorite food ever again, you would probably look at me like I had three eyes and you'd say, no you're not doing this to me. And that's exactly what I said to him is, you know, this is not something that I am prepared today to do. Now, a couple of things that were going through my head. One is, how does this impact me right now? And I asked him, how does this impact me right now? And his response was, well, it's not necessarily going to impact you right now, but it is going to impact you over time. And I said, The problem with that is for anybody who rational or irrational thought, it doesn't matter what we have in our world, it's real. And for you to tell me that nothing's wrong right now, but it could be wrong later is not going to get me to change. 
something that I've been doing since I was in high school. There's got to be a connection between making a change now and how you will feel now as a result of it. So anytime we're thinking about something that has to be changed in a behavior, there's got to be an association with changing it now is going to impact blank. Will I feel better? Will I be able to function better? Will my brain be thinking at a higher level? Will I be quicker on my feet, quicker on thought? What is it that's going to change as a result of getting me off of all that sugar? Now, one thing that he did say that kind of triggered in my head was, do you realize that every Dr. Pepper you drink is a dessert? So I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, I'm having four to six desserts a day. Well, that's a good way to put it. And when you think of it that way, is that really what you're after is four to six desserts a day? Now, I can understand if some of you are going, uh, yeah, I'd love to have four to six desserts today, a day and not see any consequences of that on my body. But if we are becoming more overweight, if we are having a, uh, more of a struggle breathing, if we are having more of a struggle to keep our brain functioning at a higher level, then those would be things to identify right now. But I'm telling you this story because I'm going to weave it in throughout this Uh, podcast. So let's go back to what is behavior change? Why do we need behavior change? Well, behavior change is doing the right things, which is processes at the right time, which is a stage of development of making that change happen behaviorally. So if we're doing the right things at the right times, then we're using a stage of thought that we're in, a stage of feeling that we're in, that says we do want to make a change, we think we want to make a change, but not now. I mean, these are things that are part of the stages of are we ready to make a change or not? If it's somebody telling us we have to make a change, then we're not invested in that. They're telling us, like the doctor told me, I'm not invested in making a change unless I can bring it to the forefront of why I need to make the change. I'm better at behavior change than a lot of people. And so for me, I could rationalize it out, but you're still not going to tell me that I have to make the change today, cold turkey, no weaning myself off of it. That was not going to happen. So doing the right things, these processes at the right time means that it has to be good timing for me, the individual that's going to create and make these changes. So what you have to think about is if you're going through something that is traumatic or there's a problem, you know, health-wise, you've just been told that you're, you just had a heart attack and you've got to change your exercise patterns, you've got to change the way you eat, you've got to change the, the way you sleep, you've got to change blah, 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 blah. And they say it all has to happen today. Let me just tell you, the majority of people that are told this will not make a change because you've just overwhelmed them with all the changes that have to be made. They're not ready for those changes. And so you flooded them. And now it's like, if I can't just make one change, if I got to make four, well, forget it. I'm not going to do any of it. And even if it's one, you've got to put your head around routines differently, the behaviors that you do differently, the people that you associate with whatever it is that you're changing. I mean, all of these things have got to be changed. That's the process. 
it doesn't happen overnight. These are things that take time. And in fact, will take six months to a year minimally to make this behavior change stick. I'm going to say that again. To make a behavior change stick, you have to be working this for six months to a year to create the routine so that the behavior will continue to be the routine from that point forward. It doesn't mean that you won't have setbacks, but when you do, you need to acknowledge it's a setback. I'm going to get back on the horse and I'm going to ride again. So these are all things that go with what behavior change is and are you ready? Do you need to make a change in a behavior that you have that will make you healthier, make you stronger, create a stronger brain connection with your body so that your brain and your body are working much better in tandem, that emotionally you're more stable, physically you're more stable, socially you're more stable, and cognitively you're more stable. So the more you can create that for yourself, the healthier you're going to be over life. Um, very interestingly, just a story to tell you before we get into this, and I, and I am a storyteller, but I was at a an exercise class the other day, and a friend of mine had gone with me, and we're both in good shape, and we're older, uh, but both of us are in good shape. Two other women came up after the class was over, and one of them said, I just, I really want to know, how have you been able to do this? How do you sustain your weight, your active level, your fitness level, your ability to be healthy? How have you done it? And my comment was, it's a choice. It's something you either choose to do or you choose not to do. But there's always a will for why you do it. There's always a reason for why you would want to do it. And for me, it's, you know, if you have health scares or if you have um, healthy issues that are not going in the way you want. So like for me, it was um, gaining a little bit more weight than I wanted to have on me. You, you have to go through and decide why do I want to make this change? And is it important enough that I'm going to get this change made and then stick with it? That's the key. If you're not ready to make the change, it's not going to happen. And when I started saying, they will say, well, how'd you do it? How'd you do it? And I said, well, I, I've started juicing, um, you know, with beets and carrots and apple and ginger. Um, that's a healthy drink for my insides. I've started eating regularly and really more routines of eating, but making sure I get leafy vegetables in and things like that. And I, and I don't want to bore you with nutrition right now, but, but just from a behavior change perspective, there were things that I knew I needed to change. And I've stuck with it for three years now. I've stuck with it. It doesn't matter if anybody tells me I look better. It doesn't matter if anybody says, oh my gosh, how much weight you've lost. It, it doesn't matter about any of that. I've always been active. I've always eaten right. But you know, you can slip as you get older. And I went back to routines of eating, sleeping, exercising that I did pre 50, 50 years old. But the thing that I really made a change on was Dr. Pepper. And I'm going to go back to that story in a minute as well. But all of these things have changed to the betterment of me. I feel better. My joints feel better. My body feels better. My brain feels better. 
everything is better as a result. So behavior change. Let's kind of go into this now and I'm going to talk you through the Dr. Pepper example and I'll come back to the change that has taken place for me as the time has gone on. So let's talk about the behavior that you want to change. You've got to figure out what that is first. And for some of you, you may not know what that behavior is. Um, and it'll come to you as time goes on. But is it that you lose your temper at things? Uh, is it eating? Is it exercise? Is it alcohol? What is it? Is it sugar? Um, what is it that's driving you to have a behavior that you really need to change? You've got to identify that first. The next thing you have to do is understand what stage of change you're in. And right now, some of you may go, I know what my behavior is and I know what stage I'm in. I need to change now. I've had a heart attack. I really need to change the way I eat or I really need to make sure that I'm getting active more. What is it and how important is it? So let me let me read through these statements and you figure out which stage you're in. So the first one is, I currently do not, and whatever the behavior is, I currently do not exercise. I currently do not um, eat well. I currently do not sleep more than four hours a day. I currently do not, whatever that is, fill in the blank. And I do not intend to start whatever in the next six months. So this is like, you know, you are at a pre-contemplation stage where you are not at all interested. So let's say a doctor says to you, like the endocrinologist with me, says, you need to get off Dr. Pepper. And you go, I have no reason to get off Dr. Pepper. I don't know why you're telling me this. This is not something that uh, has impacted me at this point that I knew of. It's not impacting me. And unless you come up with a better reason, I'm not changing that anytime soon. That's pre-contemplation. That's like, no, you're not going to get me to change it at all. The second stage to think about is I currently do not do whatever, but I'm thinking about starting to do whatever in the next six months. This is contemplation. You're aware of a problem. It exists. You're seriously thinking about it, but at this point, there's not going to be a change. The third one is I currently do some of whatever it is that I'm thinking about, but not regularly. This one is more of the preparation stage. You intend to take action in the next month or so, but no action has been taken yet. It reminds me of Gone with the Wind when it's like, I'll think about that tomorrow. I'll think about that next month. Those things are, yeah, it's imminent, but it's not yet. The fourth one is I currently am exercising or eating right or whatever regularly, but I've only begun to do so within the last six months. This one is an action stage. You're in the mode of doing it. You've modified the behavior. You have experiences or an environment that um, you need to overcome the behavior problem, but you have modified the behavior. And then the last one is, I have been exercising, eating right, sleeping well, um, changing my alcohol patterns, whatever, regularly in the past. And I've been doing so for at least six months or more. And that is the maintenance stage. 
you're in it, you're doing it for the long haul at this point, and that is you're maintaining whatever that behavior change is. The final one, which is a, kind of an interesting one because it's what we call a, a relapse. And a relapse is I have blank regularly in the past, but I'm not doing so currently. Sometimes the death of someone, an injury to yourself, an injury to someone else, um, maybe a child is sick, maybe you are having to take care of an, an older parent. These things can get in the way of a behavior that we've changed, we've really come to you know, do in a maintenance form, and all of a sudden something happens and that falls off to the wayside. And that's a relapse. So just remember that you don't have to, you know, if you get out of the maintenance stage or even the um, action stage, you can always get back to one of those stages. And it's easier once you've done it once because you know the processes that it's going to take to do it again. So when we think about pre-contemplation, are you not at even a stage that you want to start doing something to change a behavior? Are you contemplating it? Hopefully you're aware of the problem and you're seriously wanting to change, but no change has even been considered yet. Are you in preparation? You intend to take action in the next month, but no action yet. Have you modified the behavior, but you're within six months of actually doing so? So it's just you're in an action stage. Or are you in maintenance stage? You uh, work to prevent a relapse and continue for at least six months to a year or longer. The relapse is you are not in the action stage or the maintenance stage at this point, and you're having to work yourself back to it. So I'm going to take you through the Dr. Pepper example, and then I'm going to go through some of these cognitive and behavioral processes that have to take place that I will have talked about with the Dr. Pepper. So let's go back to the doctor. He said, I have to change. I said to him before I left that day, you know, I understand that I need to get off of some of the Dr. Pepper. I get that. I really do need to do that. But to tell me that I'm going to do it today is wrong. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do in the next six months. And I don't know how it's going to really work out yet because I've got to figure out some things. But I, by the time I come in in six months, I will have gotten down to one or two Dr. Peppers a day. Now, you listening to me today, you may think, wow, how's she going to do that? Okay. I have to decide when are the most important times for me to have the Dr. Pepper? When emotionally am I connected to it the most? And for me, it was first thing in the morning and sometime in the afternoon. And they were kind of my pep-me-ups, you know, get me going. Just like coffee does for most people, Dr. Pepper was my thing in the morning to get me going. In the afternoon, my worst time is between 1 and 3. So for me, it's if I drink a Dr. Pepper between 1 and 3, that pumps me up and I, I can go during that time. And then I'm good to go after that. So if I could get myself to two Dr. Peppers, I'd be great. But I also knew that building routines means that you've got to build habits. And that means that you've got to find something to replace what you're drinking. And trust me, at the time that I was doing this, I didn't like to drink water. And so I was drinking mainly Dr. Pepper, no water, hardly any water. And if I had anything else, it would be tea. 
that's bad for the kidneys, bad for digestion, bad for pancreas, uh, intestines, everything. It's just, it's just not good. It's toxic to the system. And the older you get, the harder that's going to be. So <clears throat> I told him, I said, okay, I'm going to spend two to three weeks on a change at a time. And when I think that I'm ready to change to the next thing, then I'll, I'll make the change. Journaling is a good way to, you know, kind of forecast out for you how you're feeling, uh, what it's looking like for you and be able to look back and see how things change. So the first time was I'm going to back off of, I'm only going to be on four Dr. Peppers a day. When will they be? Well, first thing in the morning, lunch, mid-afternoon and dinner. Well, I was already thinking, I'm not sure I need that dinner one. I really need to replace that one with water. But if I'm going to drink water, I'm going to do it with lemon. You see the processes that are taking place. I need to do something that I like, that I can replace, but that would taste okay. And so I went with water with lemon because I knew that that had to be a replacement. I needed water, fresh water going into my system. So my Dr. Pepper at, for the dinner meal went away and I didn't do any Dr. Pepper in the evening. So I was down to three Dr. Peppers, really just rationalizing, what did I need to do anyway? So I was at morning when I first got up, lunch and the afternoon. I stayed with that for a while. And if I had to have another Dr. Pepper at some point, I could, but I just knew that the next day I would go back to the routine that I was on. In the meantime, though, if I was going to get off another Dr. Pepper, I needed to replace it with something else. And I tried to replace it with something called Fuse, but I just didn't like the taste of it. It had an aftertaste, and I really didn't like that taste. So I eventually went to a, a tea, a, a peach mango tea combination that I ordered the tea bags. I'd make it. I'd drink it. Uh, I'd put lemon in it and some stevia, stevia drops. And I realized that I really, I like the taste of that tea. But I also said to myself, the only way I could have the tea is if I had some water first. And it was really my way of giving me some reinforcement, some reward for being able to have my Dr. Pepper, but not lose sight that I really needed to be on water also. So I was creating some change within a change. Interestingly, I didn't get off my morning Dr. Pepper yet, and I didn't get off my afternoon one. But when I realized that that tea tasted pretty good, I changed it to tea at lunch after I would have water before lunch. And sometimes I would have my water at lunch, and then I would have my tea right after, still having my Dr. Pepper in the mid-afternoon and the Dr. Pepper in the morning. It took about four or five months for me to get down to, and believe it or not, I got down to one Dr. Pepper in about five months time. And when I went back to him in six months, I was able to tell him that I was down to one Dr. Pepper in the morning. The rest of the Dr. Peppers were gone. Now that's an amazing thing for me to be able to do that, but it was on my schedule, my time, my behavior change with my replacements and processes as I went. So let's talk about what these processes are. Cognitively, I increased my knowledge of why it was important for me to put more water in my diet and back off all the sugar in my diet. What I realized is, and this is very, very important, is there were some benefits 
that I had to comprehend. And one of them is when you put a lot of sugar in your system, you're going to feel more sluggish. At first, you're going to feel like you're riding high and then you're just going to drop real quick. And I started realizing that. I started realizing I had an aftertaste of the sugar that made me want more sugar. That was bad. And I, I started realizing that. I also understood the risks and the warnings of those risks. You know, the more sugar you have, the more that your kidneys may not function like they should. The less water I have, the worse it's going to be on my kidneys. Uh, how is it working with my body with, with overweightness? Am I having joint pain? Uh, am I thinking more sluggishly? And so looking at those benefits versus the risk is very, very important. And write those down, jot them down. So cognitively, you're understanding why the change is being made. Caring about the consequences of others is also very, very important. Now, there really weren't any consequences of what I was doing on other people at all. Emotionally, I wasn't changing with others. I mean, there wasn't something that was impacting me with socializing or anything else. But if there is, if emotionally you are angry all the time because of something that you're doing or, or um, it's changing the way that you operate, that's a problem. Uh, that when you're around others and it's a consequence of what others are feeling as a result of you, that's bad. And you, you need to make some changes cognitively to go, I'm making this change because of others in my life that are important to me. And I realize it's important for me. I should make the change for myself, but it's also going to impact others in a positive way if I make this change. So like drugs or alcohol, those kind of changes are not just impacting you. They're also impacting the loved ones around you that really need you to change in order to be a better person around other people. And then the last one is it increases opportunities for you to be able to do better with your life. And that cognitively is very important as well. And if you can rationalize that and know that this is going to help you long term, that's huge. Behaviorally, you're trying to do a counter conditioning substitution, which is what I did. And, you know, if you were seeing the podcast, you would see I have my mango peach tea with the lemon and stevia in it. And it's become an alternative behavior for me that has worked tremendously. And to this day, I'm even drinking probably more water than I am tea um, at this point. The end of my story didn't end with one Dr. Pepper a day. I'm now down to zero Dr. Peppers a day. But what did that take? It took me getting off only drinking uh, instead of a 12 ounce, I would buy the eight ounce and I would drink the eight ounce instead of the 12. And then I got down to only a four ounce Dr. Pepper. And then I got down to just a few sips. And then I finally said, I don't need it anymore. I can drink water in the morning when I get up with lemon, do my thing, uh, come back and do my juicing, do peach mango tea, drink water again. And remember, I rewarded myself with tea after I would drink water. Both are much healthier than doing the Dr. Pepper, zero sugar involved. Um, and it, the stevia is a more natural sweetener than doing um, like um, the pink stuff and the greens, uh, the pink stuff and the blue stuff. Um, so finding that counter conditioning substitution that will help you. Like with smokers, when they say, well, I chew a toothpick instead of smoking, that's a counter 
conditioning uh, substitution. Another behavioral process is helping relationships. So trusting and accepting and utilizing the support of care around you. Uh, so you want people around you that reinforce your change in behavior. You don't want people that are really saying, I don't know why you're still doing that. You need to just go on back to what you were. You're, you're irritable right now. Well, irritation can come with change, but you want to reinforce you're better. You're doing better. You need to stay with us. You need people around you that are supportive and helping you in your relationship with your behavior change. Reinforcement management, changing the contingencies that control or maintain the problem. So you don't want to be in stressful situations all the time trying to get over something. You want to be able to relax and, you know, make these changes when you're not always stressed. Um, it's hard to make a change in a behavior while you're trying to do things for other people where you can't focus on the change for you. So do it at a time where you can really focus on you and making that change. It's self-liberating. This is a behavioral process. It's self-liberating in that it's your choice to make the change and it's your commitment to stay with that behavior change. And then finally, stimulus control. When you have control over a situation and you know what those causes are that trigger the behavior, stay away from them. Try to stay away from things that will trigger them. And stress usually is one of those things that will trigger it. You may say, well, I don't know how to stay out of stress. Then get somebody to help you understand how to not look at things in the most stressful way, but be able to change the way that you may see certain uh, situations. So these are the, the different pieces that I wanted to go over today. Um, I wanted to talk about behavior change itself. This is, you know, I'm making it sound so simple. It's not so simple. If you have a strong will to create a change, it could be easier than for people who have a really hard time making changes. Um, that could be very difficult. But remember, this podcast is about right moves. It's about you helping yourself to be the best of you. And behavior change is one of those things that will help you be the best you you can be. So I'm going to kind of end with this. Um, to get to another stage, you have to set. So if you're at a pre-contemplation stage right now, you're not even thinking about this. But set some goals for yourself. Set some realistic goals for yourself. Identify something that you really enjoy that could be a replacement for something that you're trying to change. Reward yourself like I did. If I wasn't drinking Dr. Pepper, I really liked the peach mango tea. That was a great substitute for the Dr. Pepper, and it helped me not miss the Dr. Pepper. In fact, I could think about the negative things that were associated with it, so I really didn't want to go back to it. And then keep yourself criterion reference, meaning what's positive about what you're doing. Journal your, st your stuff down. Talk about it or discuss it on paper. Just write it down so that you can remind yourself what you feel like when you do make the change, not when you're feeling like, oh, I just want to go back to whatever it is. Make things easy. Try not to make things real hard. Think about when an activity has been successful for you and then have positive role models around you. Remember, think of the change as a necessity, not as just a choice. It's a necessity that you make the change. And lastly, on the behavioral stuff, have times and places scheduled 
so that you know that you're going to be able to, you know, that you need to meet that uh, deadline or that criteria. Offer a wide variety of, of activities and times for yourself if you need to, to get yourself ready to make a change in preparation stage. Do a buddy system where, you, you know, you've got somebody that's accountable uh, with you that you have to, you're going because you know that they're expecting you to be there, whatever that is. Start small. Don't try to take off too much. Remember, I didn't say I'm going to go from zero, from 60 to zero in one day. I really thought about how am I going to make this change so that I can make it stick. And then find something that um, that you've done in the past that might be something that could be your substitute today. And an exercise, maybe the reason you have an exercise is because you don't like to sweat and you don't like to do things that you don't enjoy. Uh, but maybe, like my mother, she loved to tap dance. And she found a group that she could go and tap dance with and, you know, did so well with that and really got her exercise in. So, But it was something in her past that she brought back to her older um, age level and was able to get involved and really go to town on it. And that behavior changed from no exercise to lots of exercise as a result of something that she enjoyed when she was young. So I'm going to leave you with that right now. Uh, I, you know, I hope this has been helpful for you. This is behavior change at a very um, basic level of, you know, just giving you the information. I hope if you want to play this podcast over and over and help yourself with thinking through it, please do so. But remember, it's about right moves in your life, right moves in your health, right moves in you living a long and productive life, not something that you wish that you, you know, only had so long to live because it's just no fun anymore. Life can be fun no matter how old you are. Create that mindset, go after a change, keep it simple, and let's get it done. And as always, take care, have a great week, and play often. This podcast was brought to you by the Link Center for Healthy Play at Texas Christian University. To learn more about the Link Center and the resources mentioned in today's episode, visit our website at www.linkproject.tcu.edu.